to the SLP Happy Hour Podcast. Our goal is to provide you with a way to listen to real conversations on work by real SLPs. We are full-time SLPs in the trenches. These are honest conversations, and we hope they're helpful, fun, and make your work and home life more manageable. This is a podcast to discuss work, life, and taking care of ourselves in a profession full of ups and downs. I'm Sarah Lockhart. And I'm Sari Wu. This episode, we talk about what we do to make the big bucks. That's right. And we'll also interview Julia Kuhn from The Traveling Traveler to discuss no-stress travel tips and what it's like to be a travel SLP. So lately on the podcast, we have realized that we're interviewing other people and not talking so much about ourselves and our own work settings. So we are getting some questions about where we work, what we do, and what we think about it. So to switch it around and for some fun today, we are interviewing each other about the work we do. So to start the swap, let's try to describe the other person's job. I think I'm going to fail at this, Sari. <laughs> so Sari, You'll do fine. what do I do? Okay, so this is going to be a little tricky because you do, you do so much. All right, so you uh, run your own private practice. You uh, do teletherapy slash travel therapy. You run your own business, uh, Sarah Lockhart Speech. You run a podcast. You uh, are huge marketing, social media manager, incredible at doing all of that, and a big, big, big coffee connoisseur yeah i do yes i'm <laughs> quite choosy um but i do love my coffee um you, you did do. such a great job now i don't even know what to say so <laughs> i don't do nearly as much so <laughs> so i'm gonna start with last year last year was your cf your clinical mm -hmm. fellowship mm -hmm. and you worked with basically i believe kindergarten through 21 and yep you worked with students in the school system who were beginning communicators. And so you did quite a bit of AAC, picture mm -hmm. exchange, and complex cases. Yes. And now you have your C's and you are still, you have your C's, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. It's official. Congratulations. Yay. Um, <laughs> And we still need to celebrate that. Um, so now you have your C's and you are not, you are with the same district, but you are not at the same schools. So you right. have a more typical caseload. So the school year has yes. just started. So really, truly, I, I don't know, but I know you work at several schools and I know at least one is an elementary school, mm -hmm. but the school year just started and I'm not sure what else. Yep. Yeah, I don't think I've ever given you the update on what my placement changes. You're right. I have an elementary school. Um, I have a middle school that has a small caseload at this middle school. And I still have one group of students that have complex communication needs, but they're at the secondary level. So they're eighth, currently they're eighth through 12th grade. But so that's what I'm doing right now. So it sounds like you're going to have quite, quite a mix for this year. 
quite a mix. So I've heard that you have some interview questions for me. I do. I'm a, I'm a bit nervous because I don't quite know what we're going to talk about, but I'm ready. So lay them on me. Okay. Okay. Well, to start, I thought I would talk to you about travel since that's a little bit of our theme today. And I know you travel once a month to serve schools. So tell me, what do you need to do uh, for your other jobs when you're preparing to travel? Yeah. So it's not so much the jobs. That part is easy, but like preparing to travel, I try to do as much as possible, you know, online, on the cloud, on my laptop. Mm -hmm. Um, so I used to travel with a bunch of just papers basically. Um, and I've gotten better about that. I would say just the travel aspect. I have to know, so I'm traveling to rural areas, so I can't just like grab food wherever I want. So I have to know like basically what I'm going to eat, pack some like basic food with me, mm -hmm. um, and know like, you know, what I'm going to eat, what day, or am I going to go to a grocery store in a town nearby? Um, and then I have to have everything I need for work, but also any product or material that I'm going to use for the next, you know, month, four weeks, I bring with me. So I might bring a game or a sensory bin or a couple of adapted books. Um, so I would say the preparation is like 50% the school stuff and 50% like what do I need to survive as a human being uh, right. while I'm gone. Right. Yeah, is that, uh, is that piece of it stressful for you? Is the traveling component of your job stressful for you? You know, it was so fun when I started, and a few years ago especially, I had a period where I started to feel burnout specifically around the travel, so not mm -hmm. around my job in general. And I've talked about this on the podcast. I have had SLP burnout before, but what I'm talking about here is just right before a trip. I would just mm. be really low on energy, feel like I had so much to do. So a lot of that has been to figure out my travel logistics so that I can be happier on those trips. And I would say I'm in a really good place now and I enjoy seeing my students. I enjoy being in a new place and I'm really loving it. But um, there's a period where it's new and fun, right? To like mm -hmm. stay in a hotel for a week or whatever. Um, and then there's a period where you're like, this is hard. This is a lot of work. This is tons of logistics. This is a lot of travel. This is a lot of being away from home. And I would say um, I've worked through that for now, but it, it'll come back. So I would say on and off traveling is a lot of work. So you can get a, a bit burnt out as far mm. as the travel aspect. But on the upside, I get to go to an area where there is no speech language pathologist and I get to see my coworkers, I get to meet teachers, and I get to see the faces of my students in person. And that really is worth all that work. So, so what do you think is a common misconception about traveling physicians? There are so these? many. There are so many misconceptions about travel. Um, the biggest misconception is that while you're traveling, you'll do all these fun, awesome things. Mm. <laughs> 
So when there's way more. Like everything you're saying is so much more involved than even I thought with went into traveling positions. I mean, it all makes sense, but you don't really think about that. Right. What were you surprised by? I'm just curious. Like just thinking about all of the coordinating for the food. That's just one of those things that I would take for granted and not really think about um, how much prepping goes into what you're going to eat while you're there. And so that's just one of those little things. I think you always think of kind of the glory of travel positions and you don't think about those nitty gritty day-to-day things you got to take care of and still think about and plan for because you don't want to eat out during the whole time you're there and if you're in a rural area um which that's really the areas that need slps there might not be a restaurant mm-hmm. so there's yes. that too <laughs> yes and that's another surprising thing <laughs> there are tons of travel logistics and as far as What's surprising is people think that you can do a ton of travel things, you'll, you know, um, see the sights, you'll Mm -hmm. eat at fun restaurants, and the reality is you'll probably be in in a rural area that doesn't have much, and you have to plan for everything. Like, what exactly are you going to wear? Do you need workout clothes? All of the logistics take a lot of time and effort and thought. So that's the surprising piece, and the biggest misconception is that you do a lot of tourist things. In mm. reality, I'm only there for a week, so I'm working, and I'm working long hours because I have a lot to do. Yeah, so I'm guessing at the end of the day, you probably just want to go back to your hotel or wherever you're staying and unwind like the rest of us do when we go home. Oh, I'm totally exhausted. I have no energy left at the end of the day um, during my travel days. So I think that's another thing to keep in mind is Mm. you really do get sucked dry. But for me, I'm like, you know what? It's temporary. It's, you know, this amount of days. It's just for this week. And I'm okay with that. So that's what I have for you for today. Um, I do have lots more questions, but we'll save them for later. But I know you have some questions for me. Yes. So you do work in the school setting, but all my questions are about working with adults because you worked with adults this summer and you did home visits. So I've never done home Mm -hmm. health. I have had externships at a rehabilitation hospital, inpatient. I've done some outpatient. Um, So tell me what your job was. What did you do? What did that look like? Who did you work with? Where did you work? What did you work on? (laughs) So I worked for a home health company um, who served uh, mostly geriatric clients who weren't able to safely leave their home or had no way of being transported to an outpatient facility. Um, And I would go a lot of times into their homes to provide therapy or, or sometimes it was like a retirement community, um, skilled nursing facility a couple times. Um, and I provide the therapy right there in their living quarters, house, whatever that may be. And I know for some SLPs who do home visits, for example, for early intervention, Mm -hmm. have a lot of stories about potentially uncomfortable situations, whether it be like roaches or bugs or dirty or hoarders or whatever. Um, How did you find the experience of just being in someone else's home? 
You know, I, I heard stories like that as well, but I did not have any experiences like that that were unsafe or unclean. All of the places that I went were well kept and the patients were safe. And the home health company that I worked for really tried to protect the employees when it came to things like that. And as far as working with adults, I know it's something that you really enjoy. Uh, what did you enjoy most about the experience of working with adults again and being in patients' homes? I really enjoy the relationships that I get to build and meeting new people with, with the adults. But I think I especially enjoy the actual therapy piece of it. I love that I'm in their home giving really practical therapy for everyday things. You know, if they're working on organization, we're working on their calendar, we're helping them organize pillboxes. And this is day-to-day -day stuff and I'm doing it right there, right where they live. I can give them tips for where they should put their calendar to give them reminders every day. And it's so practical and that piece of it is really rewarding and really nice. Yeah, you're working on functional skills in a natural environment. Yes. What, as far as people who are listening who might be interested in contracting with a home health company and getting some hours on the side, what are some downsides or potential pitfalls that they should be aware of or things that they should know or look for? I think expect to be on call and everything that goes with that. You can get called for an eval that needs to be done within the next 48 hours and you don't know when that call is going to come. So you'll get it and if you didn't have any patients scheduled for the next couple of days and thought you could make plans, now you can't. You've got to schedule that eval for that patient and figure out a way to, to make it work. And then also uh, the, the traveling involved. I worked in two different counties and sometimes I was traveling 30, 45 minutes, which isn't terrible, but you know, that's a drive, a long drive to plan for. And if you only have one patient, that's all the way out there. That's a significant part of your day. And also as much as I tried to schedule patients early in the morning, I had the, like, I had the most pushback from patients wanting me to schedule after 11 each time. I had the hardest time getting patients to agree to be seen early in the morning. And I kind of had to start being like, so I'm available at this time or this time, which one will work? <laughs> because my patients like to sleep in. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like one of your expectations was like, hey, maybe I can put all these clients together put them, mm -hmm. you know, within this, you know, small hourly window. But the reality was that there was quite a bit of driving and there were some scheduling conflicts that meant that patients were maybe hours apart from one another. And yes. I'm assuming you only got paid for patient time, meaning you would get paid for seeing patients, but then you're driving or waiting a couple hours until you can see the next patient. Right. And that's something to research too before you sign on with a home health company. I did get mileage um, for me, it was uh, one way. Some companies do both, you know, all of your driving, some don't do it at all. 
So that's a good question to ask if you're considering this job before you sign on. So as far as the actual therapy, I know several SLP friends who are so interested in working with adults and would love to do it, but they're really intimidated by the swallowing aspect. So can you chat a little bit about how did you get comfortable with swallowing? What did that therapy look like? And how did that work for you? I was really nervous about the swelling. You know I was because I, I would like call you venting my nerves about swelling because it just really made me nervous. So I was always really cautious and always played on the, always err on the side of safety. That would be my tip. Always make the safe call, put them on a diet that's going to be the safest level because you have to, it's your job to protect them when it comes to that. And I would say if, if you're starting this and you're nervous, see if you can go out and shadow because I had two other SLPs who I got to shadow before and they were great resources too. If I ever had questions to call, just really collaborate and communicate with your team and get what, hear, talk to the nurses, see what they're seeing and, and uh, always make the safe call for the patient. That's excellent advice. Yeah, and I think that it's really impressive that you were, I think what people need to remember is you were a CF and you worked hard all school year and then you were basically on call all summer. So I'm, <laughs> I'm very impressed, but I also hope that next summer is more relaxing for you. <laughs> so I hope you listening learned something new about our SLP lives from these mini interviews. And later on in the show, we'll have even more information about being a traveling SLP with yet another interview. But first up, it's time for a podcast review. I always look forward to this segment and our listener reviews are a huge part of what motivates Sarah and I to keep podcasting. And today's review is from Sarah B, not the Sarah sitting next to me, just so you There's know. too many Sarahs. There's too <laughs> many Sarahs. So uh, Sarah B wrote... SLP happy hour is filled with authentic conversations about real issues that we face as SLPs. The hosts are vulnerable, witty, and sometimes hilarious. This podcast is a breath of fresh air. Thank you, Sarah. I don't know Thanks, how Sarah. hilarious I am. Maybe you're the <laughs> hilarious one, Sari. You make me laugh. <laughs> okay. You make me laugh. So it's 50-50 maybe. Um, so we have a card in the mail to Sarah. You are awesome. Thank you. And if there's one thing I love just as much as reading podcast reviews, it's our interview segment. And today's interview is with Julia Kuhn from The Traveling Traveler. But first up, an ad break. So you know, on this podcast, we are all about helping you make your life calmer and more productive. Well, we've got a few things for you that will simplify your work life. Both of our sponsors aim to do that, and we'll share those with you today. Sarah, do you ever feel overwhelmed by keeping up with the research? Sometimes. It is time-consuming. And as speech-language pathologists, we depend on good research to serve our clients well. We strive to use evidence-based practice, but how much time do we really have to search for new evidence? Reading research articles 
is time consuming. And as SLPs, we don't have much time. So it's nice to have help wading through the research. One thing that's helped me, my membership to the Informed SLP. The Informed SLP is an advertiser on this podcast, but I pay for my membership with my own money because it is so helpful. So let the Informed SLP help you by doing the research for you too. They search all of the top speech language pathology journals each month, looking for articles that are highly relevant to your daily practice. They provide you with plain language summaries of the most clinically applicable research. It's how smart SLPs do EBP. You can join the Informed SLP at www.theinformedslp.com. Again, that's www.theinformedslp.com. You'll get 50% off of your first three months and then the regular price after that. With the code SLP Happy Hour, no spaces, all lowercase. And you can cancel at any time. And our second sponsor is SLP Now. SLP Now is the no stress membership designed to help SLPs like you plan effective therapy and manage their caseload with less stress than ever before. You log in, search by targeted objective or month or theme and print out materials for your learners and go. It's that easy. Instead of going onto websites where you buy items individually, for one monthly price, you can get access to all the materials you need for your learners. That saves time and hassle. I've been a member for almost two years, and I do feel clear-headed knowing my lesson planning is quick and effective. Joining SLP Now organizes your SLP lesson plan life so you can move on to doing what you got into this profession for, seeing your students. And if that sounds right up your alley, the best part is, if you are an SLP Happy Hour listener, you can get a free trial at slpnow.com happy. Again, that's slpnow.com h-a-p-p-y. Up next, we have an interview with Julia, but first, a little bit about her. Julia is an SLP who works with adults as a traveling SLP currently in Hawaii. She has an engaged Instagram following and the most beautiful Instagram photos. We'll talk about that and more in our interview. That's right, and Julia is joining us from Hawaii, and man, do we wish we were there to do an in-person interview. That sounds wonderful. I'm looking forward to learning more about working in the travel SLP setting and what Julia's life is like in Hawaii. And we've got her on the line now. We are so excited about this interview. Welcome, Julia. Oh, hey guys. Hi, I'm happy to be here. So we start our interviews with a lightning round of questions, Julia. Oh, okay. Kind of quick and easy. Are you up for that? Sure. Okay. So what is your favorite way to spend some time after work? Um, I like to relax on the sofa or take a walk. What's your favorite thing about living in Hawaii? 
I love the year round, um, just sunny, beautiful weather, being able to go outside all the time and not, not having to worry about the snow. Yeah. All right. Finish this sentence. One goal I have for myself right now is to, I want to, um, launch like uh, launch a travel side of my blog by 2019 where uh, I give people more more info and insight into uh, traveling to different places like as a tourist versus just like a um, healthcare traveler. Ah that sounds great and something that's surprising about being a travel therapist. Uh, it's not it's not glamorous it's it's hard work. Yes I could talk about that one. yes yes um, okay so that was fascinating, and I have so many questions about your job, and I know Sarah does too. So first off, tell us a little bit about you and your career as an SLP. Uh, well, I started my career as an SLP. I did my CF in a skilled nursing facility in Boston, and then I was working for about a year and a half when the facility I was in started to get a lot of travelers. We just had people out for pregnancy leaves, medical leaves. And they were all um, pretty like kind of young and single, just like I was at the time and kind of looking at me and saying like, well, why aren't you traveling? Like you're at this skilled nursing facility. Like, do you want to be here forever? You know, like there's so much out there. You'd love to travel because I, I just love to travel. And at the time I was saving all my days off to go on, on trips. I think in the first year I worked, I went to like three different countries, like in, in a year I managed to do it. So, um, so I kind of just got, got the notion in my head, okay, I'll travel. And of course, at the time, this was in 2010, there wasn't really a lot of information out there about traveling. Um, a lot of it was put out by agencies, which kind of makes traveling sound like super glamorous and everything's good. There wasn't a lot of real information, but I, uh, what I would call real information, I guess. But, um, you know, I went out and I did it and that was 2010. So I traveled... Um, mostly in skilled nursing facilities from about 2010 to 2013, at which point the job market kind of dried up a bit. It was when MDS 3.0 really went into effect in skilled nursing facilities, and there was just kind of a, a lull in the job market. So at that point, I kind of came back home, and I did um, a lot of, I worked like full-time PRN, which is hard to do, and I did some temporary assignments at home. And then I'd say about like, a year and a half later, oh, and at that time I was um, cross-training my skills. I was working weekends in acute care. I was doing inpatient rehab. I was getting a lot of different skills and experiences, uh, mostly because I was just flexible and able to. Like what I just applied everywhere and wherever they wanted me to work, whenever I said, sure, why not? Like I'll get the experience. And then when I started traveling again in like 2014, 2015, um, that's when I went out and kind of just did it with a bang. Like I got to do a lot of really cool assignments. I was experienced as a clinician at this point. I did you know, some cool inpatient rehab, some brain injury, some level one trauma. And then I ended up in Hawaii uh, just about two years ago. And I spent my first year here as a traveler. And then about a year ago, I said, I'm going to go perm. I'm not ready to leave. Um, so, you know, traveling can kind of take you wherever you want to go, uh, but you can only stay in one place as a traveler so long. So when I had done like three contracts here, I was like, okay, I have to make a decision. Am I staying or going? And I decided to stay. So I've been here um, just about a year now. And while I'm here, I'm working um, a lot on my website and uh, side business, which I can talk about later. 
So tell me more about um, when you made the decision to stay in Hawaii and not, you know, continue to move around. Um, what, what was that thought process like and what helped you make that decision? <laughs> well, my motto at the time was a job's only as permanent as you make it. So uh, I, was, I was really open with, with everybody. I went permanent for the same hospital I was working at. And they were really the ones pushing me to do it. And they said, we don't really care how long you stay. Like, as long as you kind of sign on and stay a little bit, you're saving us money. We know you're going to go eventually, but just do whatever you can. So they've been really accommodating to the fact that, you know, they don't see me as somebody who's going to be here forever, but they're just kind of happy with what I can give. And I've been honest that, you know, I don't see myself um, working in, you know, in one place forever, but, you know, I'm more than happy to you know, to, to be perm instead of a contractor. So it's been a good, good, good thing on both sides. It's, it's not been as scary as I thought it would be. And when you're making decisions about your future and where you want to live and where you want to move, are you traveling solo or with a partner? I am traveling solo and, um, I've, I'm in a, I'm in a relationship now and I've been in a different relationship in the past and I've traveled, but I've always, um, I've always kind of traveled solo because of just, uh, you know, job restraints and everything. And you seem really, uh, sure about, you know, there's always jobs. I can always move around. I can always find something else. It seems like you have a lot of confidence about that. Was that something that had to build up over time or was there a time when doing the travel SLP thing felt like a leap? Um, it felt, it felt like a leap kind of the second time I went into it again, when the job market wasn't, wasn't like that great. Um, and, and also at that time, you know, things have kind of changed for me being a younger clinician, when you're really dependent on like working like 40 hours a week, having to pay off all your loans, like do all these other things. Um, you know, it's more of like, I need to work, you know, full-time all the time. So one thing that's been nice over the years is I've been able to, um, pay off like, you know, my, like not all of it, but most of my student loan debt and, and not, you know, and not worry so much about like always having to work that like 40 hours. So that's been another nice thing. Um, and yeah, just knowing like, um, for instance, I was so stuck on a long time of being on the Northeast. I really like New England. And, you know, then I just kind of realized like, if I can just go to the West Coast, like there's so many jobs there. And if you're flexible to location and setting, like um, there's always something, there's always some uh, like smaller town that uh, they can, they can't, they just can't keep a speech pathologist. Like maybe they can get one for a CF, but then once they get licensed, they leave. So there, there's always work out there one place or another. How long is a typical travel position? Is it about three months? It's three months in the medical setting. Schools will do a full like nine months. Okay. What did you usually look for before you decided to take a travel job? Uh, I, I look at the, the setting and the expectations. Um, so like I like working in acute settings, I like working in inpatient rehab. So I first look at what's the setting and then on like the phone interviews really try to figure out like what they expect of me. Like I don't, I didn't want to burn out taking travel assignments and that's a real problem that people get pushed to be really highly productive or just work in really stressful settings. So 
I always looked for the job that was I thought would be manageable and um, uh, you know instead of maybe being like the highest paying or like the best location. That makes sense. So what was the hardest thing and what was the best thing about these types of travel positions? kind of just managing like the everything of it. Um, and that kind of, that's another reason why I went perm in Hawaii because I'm, I'm working on building up like my, my blog and, and my business. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to do like anything and really commit to it when you have to think about moving every three months, finding a new right. job, like every three to six months, um, finding like a new grocery store, setting up your house. Like there's just always so much happening. Time just flies because it's like boom, boom, boom. Like you're just, you know, always like doing something. And then, um, but it's, you know, it's great. My, I mean, my favorite part and the reason why I want to get back to traveling is that you just get, um, you know, you get to use your time kind of as you want to. So if you can work six months out of the year, you can work six months and then take six months off. And, or if you want to work nine months and like have like a three month break with your family, you can do that. So there's a lot of flexibility for time. And that's what I really loved about doing the travel. So let's talk more about traveling for fun. Okay. Um, can you tell us maybe some places you've been and where you would like to oh. go next? I'll tell this story. So when I graduated grad school, I found out the next day I got my job in the SNF and the CF and they wanted me to start pretty quickly. So I, I immediately booked my first ever trip solo abroad that um, basically covered like a lot of Western Europe. So, and I've been back to Europe a couple of times. So I really love Spain. I love Barcelona. Um, and then I've been to Asia to Thailand. Uh, I recently did a month in Bali. I've been, I like Central America, Costa Rica, Panama, Belize, uh, been down to Peru. And so uh, really where I want to go next on my bucket list is um, I want to do Ecuador and Colombia in South America. want to go to Japan, mostly just to eat sushi. Um, <laughs> And I mean, there's, there's a lot of places I want to go, but those are the main ones I'd like to hit like in 2019. Good. Okay. What are some general travel tips? Like what do you do before the trip starts to make sure that it'll run smoothly? And what do you do the day of? Well, I guess for me, like I do, I do everything like pretty far in advance. Like I'm packed like three days before the trip takes off just because I, that is one thing I actually do get like really anxious about. Like I'm a really chill person, but if like my bag isn't packed like two days before I'm about to take off, I'm like freaking out about it. So what is, uh, I wanted to switch to souvenirs because uh, is there something like, do you buy souvenirs when you're overseas or is there, cause some people, if they travel a lot, there's like one little thing that they'll buy from every place that they go. Do you do anything like that? And, and what is it that you'll usually buy? I do. And what I buy are little like kind of handmade pictures, usually like, usually like eight by 12 or eight by 16 or less. Mm. Try to find like little artists on the street who paint something or I'll buy like a, a nice photograph or something, something that to hang on my walls, which I'm actually trying to build up now. And I'm trying to go through all my stuff, which I have no idea where it is, <laughs> find all these little pictures. Cause now that I'm kind of settling in Hawaii and, you know, even if I, you know, travel like next year, 
this will, you know, likely stay in my home. I'm trying to hang up all the pictures that I've accumulated yeah. over the years. And I just, I'm having a hard time finding them, but. Oh, I love that idea. I'm picturing a really cute room with tons of pictures yeah. all over the wall of happy memories and yeah. little mementos. That's great. So it is time to wrap up a little bit. So can you tell us about your current projects, what you're currently working on and what's keeping you busy lately? Yeah, so I'm super busy, not only working as an SLP, but I, I run my blog, which is, it's The Traveling Traveler, and that provides all sorts of resources and kind of lifestyle information for not only traveling therapists, but just like if you want to travel in general and putting more information about like places to go, what to pack, different things. And then I run a Facebook group that's, it's open to all therapists who want to travel. It's called Travel Therapy Therapists, about 7,000 people in there now. So I run that form as well. And just also just do random tasks here and there. Turns out once people realize you can, you're pretty good at like web design or the internet, all of a sudden these other things come up. So I'm also working on a lot of other different projects for people. Yeah, it's amazing how when you start a business, like for you, the traveling traveler, you know, yeah, that's a business. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize it and they just think it's like, you know, beautiful photos that you take sometimes. They um, are gorgeous. You Thank learn, you. That you learn a lot of different skills that you're able to use. Okay, so why don't you share your self-care challenge? So it's something listeners can do to improve their home and work life. Could you share a self-care challenge with our listeners? Well, I, I hope this counts. Uh, my self-care challenge is, I think hydration is really important. So I was going to challenge everybody to drink eight glasses of water a day or, or that equivalent. Um, especially when you travel, it's really easy to get dehydrated and forget to drink. So um, drinking lots of water, keeping a bottle of water with you, I think is really important. That's a great challenge. I, I am always that person that forgets to bring the water bottle to, with me to work. And if I don't have it on my desk, if I don't have it in there, I don't go out and get water. It's, it's absolutely horrible. So I have to, I, I have to do it. I have to bring it in and have that visual water yeah. reminder. <laughs> I do the yeah. same thing. And if we don't drink enough water, we tend to be pretty cranky. So I think it's a perfect self-care. Oh, good. To get okay. us feeling good. Wonderful. Okay. Well, we will chat later. If you ever want to talk business, you know my email. And thanks for doing this. All right. Great. You're welcome. Bye, guys. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Before we close, just a few quick announcements. Please check out our shop where you can find stickers and brand new all sorts of self-care items. I'll be using my mouse pad that says schwa never stressed and will make me smile every time I'm on my computer writing those not stressful at all IEPs. By going to our website, you can find our shop with mouse pads, stickers, and more and sign up for our newsletter with exclusive freebies and listen to other episodes of the podcast. And that website is slphappyhour.com. And that 
concludes this episode of SLP Happy Hour. We hope this episode was fun and helpful. Wherever you are in your SLP journey, we hope you feel more connected and empowered by listening today. Let's figure this out together. By sharing our experiences and perspectives, we can become more connected to each other and more forgiving of ourselves. Let's navigate through the thorny issues together. As we do, remember you already know what you need to know to be an awesome SLP. We hope this episode was helpful as Sarah and I opened up a little bit to each other and to you about our personal SLP lives. Remember, you can help us out by reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, telling a friend, and subscribing to the show. If you want to connect with us, you can visit our website, slphappyhour.com, or find us on social media as SLP Happy Hour. We hope you enjoyed the show and that this was a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. We've enjoyed recording it. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Plus, as SLPs, we are awesome and amazing and sometimes we start sentences and don't finish them (laughs) just how we work i feel like that's a classic sarah move like if you ever see anything that's like half done and like slapdash you're like oh that wasn't sari sari's very conscientious that was sarah okay (laughs) hold on we hope this episode was helpful as we discuss traveling for fun No, we didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Lies. Lies. (laughs) Very untrustworthy.